Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hey, it's Avery Truffleman, host of Articles of Interest. And I've got to say, I've been a fan of KQED ever since I was a little kid, and I would come out to San Francisco to visit my grandma. It was just What we'd always turn on every time we got in the car, every time we were making dinner and turning on the radio, was always KQED. And then over the years, I've become a massive fan of KQED podcasts because this is local reporting at its best. These are answers to questions you've always wanted to know, interviews with exciting, unusual voices, necessary journalism, all told with love and care and artistry. And did you know that a majority of KQED's funding actually comes from members? It's just people like you and me supporting the programs they love while also getting access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support. From KQED. Marin County is white and wealthy, by design. So after the death of George Floyd and the subsequent protests for racial justice, what went down in the Bay Area's whitest county? It's like there's no black people here, so we don't have to worry about this issue. Residents in Mill Valley have been in a back and forth with its local city council to make systemic change, and it hasn't been easy. Today, what it's like trying to undo systemic racism in the whitest counties in the Bay Area. I'm Devin Katayama. Welcome to the Bay. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. Hi there. I'm Randa Fattah from ThruLine. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org podcast. That's donate.kqed.org podcast. Last summer, in the wake of George Floyd's death at the hand of police, Mill Valley residents came out and made note of the fact that their Black Lives Matter signs were getting torn down. Lorenzo Marotti is a reporter for the Marin Independent Journal. They brought this to the city council meeting in June and asked the city council, what are you going to do to promote the Black Lives Matter movement? We posted a sign yesterday stating that white silence is violence, and it was torn down within 12 hours. Our question is simple. What is Mill Valley doing to show that Black lives matter? And Mayor Sashi McGenty responded with, Black lives matter is not of immediate local importance. It is a council policy not that we do not take action on issues that are not of immediate local importance. Um, but uh, uh, we appreciate hearing everybody's comments. Okay, we'll move on to presentation item number 
the mayor said what she said, and people were outraged. And that's what kind of prompted the, the, the protests. So who were the people in Marin County leading protests and pressuring local officials to do more? There was a lot of young people, and they were supported by, you know, older generations, right? People who also grew up in Marin and who saw um, this racial disparity. In Marin County in general and in Mill Valley, there is no accountability for racism. One of the people that I met at these Black Lives Matter rallies was uh, Amber Allen Pearson. Racism in itself is a disease. Homogeny breeds that. Amber Allen Pearson is a local activist in Mill Valley who's the daughter of a prominent activist whose, whose name is Carrie Pearson, who passed away in December 2020. I don't think my dad set out to be an activist, and I know I didn't either. But it's kind of hard not to be when you are the diversity of a place that lacks diversity. She lived in Mill Valley and partially in Marin City a little bit. But yeah, she, she grew up in Mill Valley, right? Uh, her father lived in a, um, con- a rent-controlled apartment in Mill Valley, one of the few. I found my community in Marin City because I need blackness. I need to be around my own. There's an isness that comes with being around people that, you know, understand you. It's simpler. And what does she say about what it's like to live in Mill Valley? It's kind of a mix, right? But, you know, obviously it's difficult. You'll be having a casual conversation with an uninformed white person who has no exposure to people of color and people of color in power and they're offensive on accident all the time. What does Amber say about what it's like to confront the Mill Valley City Council and the city council's response when she confronts them? She, she feels as though it's um, talking sort of to like a brick wall in a way. Mill Valley is a place where uh, many people lack the understanding for the need of um, equity planning here. She just urged them to kind of listen. We have no power. Right now we are betting on emotion. We're trying to get the city council and the white community to care enough to put in the work. She said she speaks with teenagers. She says she's heard tons of stories about um, these kids who have been racially discriminated against and that the council should listen, right? And she's pretty confrontational with the mayor, right? She's called the mayor out. She's not afraid to, to hold back. Black people, brown people are highly capable and deserve much better than what is being experienced here in this county. And, um, and they have a responsibility to that. I want to step back just a little bit here um, because we saw a lot of similar protests happening all over the Bay Area and in parts of the Bay that aren't really known for protesting against police violence or protesting against racism. What's different about having this conversation in Mill Valley or Marin County for that matter? Well, I guess the difference is that it it finally put it in people's face, right? Um, Mill Valley and Marin, they always vote blue. For, for decades, right? But at the same time, they have some of the most um, segregated cities in the Bay Area. Marin County is the whitest and it is the most segregated county in the Bay Area. And as Lorenzo says, that's by design. 
It's the result of segregationist policies during periods of rapid population growth in the Bay Area. Throughout the years, explicit forms of segregation, like covenants and home deeds that barred black or Asian people from buying a home, transformed into more covert policies, like opposition to affordable housing. In 2011, a Department of Housing and Urban Development audit found Marin County's opposition to affordable housing effectively shut out more people of color from moving in. While the county has worked to build more affordable housing, the legacy of these policies have had a lasting impact on how the county looks today. So all over the Bay Area, we saw cities struggling with this conversation about race and equity. What came of that conversation in Mill Valley? Uh, Sashi McEntee, um came out and publicly apologized like about twice for her comments. I'll again say poor choice of words, um, but reiterated the policy that we can't, uh, there are two things. One, we can't talk about items that come up in public open time. And two, we do have a council policy. We don't take up national issues. So that wasn't received well because many people said it felt empty. It was too late. And so after that, the city council decided to pass a resolution trying to show its commitment to racial equity. Uh, Before you tonight is a draft resolution stating that Black Lives Matter. Out of that resolution, people were still pushing. They're saying, well, you know, show us. Don't tell us. Show us. What are you going to do? So they created a diversity, equity, and inclusion task force. In a nutshell, what the task force was, was designed or created to do was to help the city come up with ways to promote diversity in all facets, right? In policing, in, um, in, in the way the government runs, right? They were literally looking for help. The task force was made up of 22 people. Among them were community activists, students, librarians, former attorneys, financial advisors, and they met several times over a couple of months. You had people from literally all walks of life kind of coming in and saying, hey, we have this common goal. We, we want to help Mill Valley become more diverse and more equitable. How do we do it? And they just basically work together to create this 90-page report. Were people hopeful that this task force would lead to something real? I think everyone in the task force was hopeful. They were collaborating with a bunch of people they never met before, but that shared the same ideology in a town that's predominantly white and, and, and secretively very conservative, even though it touts itself as being liberal. So yeah, they were hopeful, right? What did Amber want to see in her city to address racism? She wanted to see action versus words, right? She didn't want to see empty platitudes, which is what most people are used to in Marin when it comes to diversity. A denial with white supremacy that doesn't allow us to address the intrinsic and pervasive nature of the disease. Instead, it's like there's no black people here, so we don't have to worry about this issue. And so they spent weeks, right, creating this 90-page report When did the task force present to the Mill Valley City Council and what happened? Well, they first presented the report in December. So we will now move to the uh, main uh, point of this meeting, which is our new business item, Mill Valley Diversity, Equity and Inclusion Task Force Report of Recommendations. They say, hey, we know we know we have a huge list of requests, right? But we're only asking for two things. The two things we're asking for you to do is to create a permanent diversity Inclusion and Equity Commission. It doesn't have to be the same people on the task force. We just want a commission. We just want people uh, in power in a way that support 
diversity and, and look like us. The plan will empower the city to implement racial equity best practices. And the second thing they wanted was for the city to hire a professional person to do a citywide equity plan. Under the guidance of GARE, the Government Alliance on Race and Equity, or another expert facilitator. How did the city respond? The city responded the way they usually do with any report, which is they said, thank you for the report. And then they said, OK, so staff is going to be going through this and we'll get back to you. This is not going on a shelf. This is how we process it. We take the topics. We have staff look at it. We have them uh, figure out what goes where. And then we, you know, then we get to the next level of detail. And then we get to the next level of detail. And then we get to the next level of detail. So months start going by. Right. And the city still hasn't really gotten back to them and people are getting upset. The task force was able to put this thing together at lightning speed. Why is the city taking so long when they have more resources? They're actually paid for what they're doing. And the city came back saying, you know, we're really swamped. We're dealing with covid. We just don't have the bandwidth to do it as fast as you want. But trust us, we're doing it. We're, we're, we're going to get to it. February comes and they have a meeting. Thank you very much. Are there any questions from the council before we go to public comment on this item? There was maybe a, like an hour or an hour and a half of just public comment, like dozens of people calling in basically saying, please, people literally begging the council to adopt these two recommendations. Are we going to stand up for systemic change or are we going to hide behind the status quo? Will you be proud of your legacy as an elected public servant? I'm hoping that the council members now will take take the occasion to give new and additional direction to all of this work and make it a real priority. We have the opportunity every day to add to um, our Black history, and that's in the decisions that you make. And at the end of the day, the council came back and said, you know what? No, we're not. We don't think we, we should make a commission because if we do that, it's going to stop all the diversity work we're already doing. We just don't think it's the time right now. We are not a big city. We don't have a ton of staff. We don't have a ton of budget. So we really have to stick within our wheelhouse of the things that the city of Mill Valley uh, does to move these things forward. I'm a little bit confused because didn't they didn't they want that group to come up with recommendations? Didn't they need the help? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, I don't know why they decided not to, honestly. I mean, they're going to be doing police work, so they're going to kind of be reviewing like... Um, policies you know i think they just banned some some chokehold and so they're focusing on on policing issues in the city but when we're talking about systemic racism we're talking not just about policing we're talking about everything that's woven into our world and sound like it sounds like that's what the task force wanted to address and that the city council denied them pretty much at this point at this they, they keep saying oh we're still gonna we're still open to work with you right how do people respond to that? People like like Amber Allen Pearson. Oh, she 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 called it from the beginning. I mean, even before they gave their their recommendation, she said it in the public comment. I am not even disappointed. I see this as a long game. Your rejection will look pretty in the color of shame when I stare at it in my rear view. She said you failed especially here in Marin, especially here in Mill Valley, when you have been handed a map, breadcrumbs, and tools that give you the, the direct access to change. You have rejected it. You have failed. And I want you to know it. The council is saying, oh, we don't think you guys want to be a commission because government is hard. Working in government is hard. I'm not even, that's what they've said. 
They said, they said, you guys want to be activists. It was weird. It was almost as if they were gaslighting them, right? Because they're telling you what you want when you've clearly said, no, that's not what we want. We want a commission, right? That will do this work. Like that will, that will have a say. Look, the city has taken the question of diversity, equity, and inclusion very seriously. It has been the central topic of almost every city council meeting since the death of George Floyd. Our efforts to date likely exceeded the efforts of any one one city in Marin and may have even exceeded all the other cities combined. They wanted the city council to say, hey, here's some of the power. You have it. But that wasn't that's not what happened. I think that's so interesting because it almost sounds like by keeping activists separate from city government, it allows city government to not have people embedded who know what it's like to be a black woman, who know what systemic racism looks like, who know what they want to see change in local government. By keeping it separate, you keep the powers separate. Exactly. You know, people will just want a seat at the table. I think that's what the Diversity Inclusion Task Force was asking for, was just to be included and to, to be considered whenever a decision is being made. What do you think this attempt by locals to push for change and then the city council's response to that says about Marin County? I feel Marin County is dealing with something that they haven't had to deal with. It's come more to the surface than ever before. And and I think people are, are trying to understand it. There are some people who are resistant to it. And then there are people pushing for it, right? There are, pe- there are tons of, of, of people in Marin from BIPOC communities, from marginalized communities, you know, Coast Miwok, um, you know, Latinx communities in the canal who all understand what it's like to live in a place that doesn't, that doesn't feel like they welcome you. What do people like Amber who've been asking for change in their city say about what happens from here? Well, what happens from here is that they're going to still keep doing the work regardless if they get the city's help or not. There is motivation to keep going for the children that I mentioned earlier. I think they're my biggest motivation is um, the babies and then also for and in honor of my father. Mill Valley is just one city in a place that there's there's tons of stuff going on in Marin right now. It's like you have people who who have been marginalized in these small communities, finally saying no, and Marin isn't ready for it. Lorenzo, thanks a lot. Appreciate it. Yeah, yeah, totally, man. Amber Allen Pearson says the work to change her community will continue one way or another, even without Mill Valley City Council. Instead, she's calling on locals from other communities nearby who care about this work to lend a hand. So what's the next move is to get people who are interested in this work in their own um, counties and in their own cities to understand that everybody needs to pull together and come here. Lorenzo Moratti covers Southern Marin for the Marin Independent Journal. The interview that you heard with Amber Allen Pearson was conducted by Aditi Banlamudi, Thanks so much to a listener who reached out to us and let us know what was happening in Marin County. Also to Naima Dean. 
We get help each week from Issa Mendoza, who writes our newsletter. We'll leave you a link to subscribe to that in our episode notes. We also got help with this episode from KQED reporter Chloe Veltman. This episode was produced by Erica Cruz Guevara, Aditi Banlamudi, Shailen Martos, and myself. The Bay is made by your local public media station, KQED. I'm Devin Kadiyama. That's it from us. Talk to you next time. Hi, I'm Sasha Koka, host of the California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse Golden State. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as, like, the place to be California. The land of milk and honey. That's where you go to Sunshine State. But we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of the Bay and beyond with reliable, human-centered journalism. They aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED. Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED Podcast too at donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast.